0: into the Husker 24-7 podcast. Mike Schaefer joined by Brian Christopherson, Michael Brunts. Nebraska picks up another commitment, another commitment from the state of Georgia. Uh, They're still at two with the Christopher Paul D. commitment from last week, but the Huskers add running back Gabe Irvin from Buford High School in Buford, Georgia. Uh, BC, you actually talked with Gabe Irvin before, so you probably have the most uh, kind of knowledge about him. What, what what do you know about Gabe and your conversation there? And, and what do you think about this commitment for Nebraska?
1: Well, he comes from a powerhouse program. Uh, Buford has is is turned out a lot of good players. And, uh, you know, he had more than 1,200 rushing yards last year, got to the end zone 15 times. And he loved Ryan Held. Ah, uh, which is no surprise because Ryan Held's a very good recruiter and personable and knows how to do it. And he also loved uh, Sean Becton, so he had kind of a, uh, you know, a, a two-pronged attack there. We all know that Sean Becton's very good in the state of Georgia, and he basically said what it always comes down to with recruits is they felt like family. Uh, you know, they embraced his mom. He had his mom had a really good relationship with both those guys. And Coach Frost talked to him all the time, and so it 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 just felt like in this time where you can't get out and visit places, um, even the distant conversations. I think they 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 got close through those. So, uh, you know, good job. He's he's uh he he joins a, a running back room that after you get past Diedrich Mills is going to be pretty young, but is also exciting. It's you you can call it a question mark group, but you can also I think have enthusiasm. As you look into uh, what he brings and the the guys that he'll be joining in that in that room,
0: Bruntz,
2: what is uh, what are your kind of initial thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, just kind of looking at the way he runs and kind of you know what Nebraska needed in this class. I you, I think you'd hit on on the side a little bit about how Nebraska didn't really have that kind of bigger thumper type running back, and and I don't know if that's necessarily you know, what, what, what Irvin's, uh, you know, game is or, or maybe what it'll be at the next level. But you he's six foot, 200 pounds, that, that's a pretty good, you know, piece of clay to start with if you're Zach Duval and, and trying to add a little bit more uh, size to that running back room. I mean, you know, Marvin Scott is not going to be, uh, you know, lo- lose the, the size competition to anybody just based upon, you know, the, the, the power lifting and stuff like that. but you know, I just think, you know, with a year or two to develop, uh, you know, Gabe Irvin could definitely be that for Nebraska uh, down the road. And like BC said, you know, he, he felt like this was a good a good offensive fit for him. He's a versatile player that would kind of give Nebraska a little bit of a different look. So, um, you know, running back's an interesting spot for me with, with the staff because you always kind of feel like Ryan Held is going to get his guy. And, you know, I, I think – you know, getting Gabe Urban in the class early on uh, allows you to maybe uh, narrow down and, and focus on a few other guys if you're looking to add a little bit more there.
0: Yeah, it's uh, – just watching his highlights, I mean, a lot of ISOs, a lot of just opportunities to go right up the middle running through people, shows a little bit of shiftness or the ability to, to kind of make a move. Uh, and And then he has a nice burst at the end too, and so – uh, I think it all kind of checks out. I know one of the big things with this class is they wanted to get a guy that had that kind of power component that they can blend with a Sevion Morrison or a Ramir Johnson. And, you know, Marvin Scott is going to have the first opportunity. And I, I really think Marvin Scott could be a guy that could be a backup. And we'll we'll talk uh, more about that for the 2020 season here in a little bit. But uh, going back to Gabe Irvin, you know, a nice get. A guy that had his rating kind of belies a little bit, um, the offers that he had. I mean, he's was a kind of a high 3 star And he had a, a number of offers uh, from Power 5 programs and some right there in the area. Uh, you had Tennessee was interested. You had Florida State was interested. He has a Georgia offer, though I don't know how much they went after him. And you have Old Miss. Uh, and so you have some of those SEC schools that are right in the area. And Nebraska went in and they out-recruited, you know, the schools that wanted them. And then, of course, there's schools like Duke that, you know, the, the football is one thing, but the opportunity to go to Duke for the education. And Duke does a nice job in the state of Georgia. I mean, Nebraska's lost kids from this very high school to Duke before. And so I, I think that they did a nice job uh, recruiting here. I think that this is a, a good fit. And you know, I, I look at Gabe Irvin as someone that uh, – is the first of two running backs in this class, and now I'm I'm really curious. Do they find another guy that's similar in terms of size, and and you know that six foot two hundred builder? They try to find another Duck R type as they just continue to look to stack with athletes, and so uh, that will be certainly something worth watching here going forward. Brian, would you would you look at what Nebraska has kind of done in the state of Georgia uh, over the last couple cycles? It should be no surprise that not only was Ryan Held involved, but lo and behold, there's our friend, Sean Becton. And a guy that we probably don't talk enough about how good he is as a recruiter, but he tends to to be involved in a lot of these decisions, especially with kids coming out of the South.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I think Sean Becton um, always has that presence. You've, I I talk about this all the time, but recruits say when he's in the room with you, it's sort of like, oh, that's dad who's in the room. And I mean that in a flattering way, and they always do too, where it's like that's a guy who is going to uh, get to some topics just beyond football. And all the coaches on the staff do. But I I do think um, he has such a network in that state with coaches that he's trusted And those coaches then pass on that trust to the players and they're like, this is a guy you can really build a relationship with. And, you know, that, that comes through years and years of just recruiting a certain state and knowing your way around the hallways. And uh, you're a familiar face. You don't, you don't step in there and you sit, you have to, you know, take time to make people believe that, that you're the guy uh, that they want to go play for. So uh, yeah, Sean Becton has been so valuable, sometimes underrated, I think, by some into how much he means to Husker recruiting, uh, but not underrated to those on that staff. They know, they know what a big deal he is. I think – I want to go back to this. Gabe Irvin, to me, for some reason, I, I, Trey Bryant popped into my mind when I talked to him because Trey Bryant, when he was being recruited, was a guy sort of of similar size. And I remember the thing about Trey was – if you looked at his highlights, it had him doing so many different things where, you know, he had a lot of plays where it was just him blocking and all the, the pass protection stuff. And he was a guy who understood in this day and age, you've really got to be an all around back and coaches love seeing that you can do four or five, six different things as a running back. And when you talk to Gabe Irvin, he's very much of that similar mindset, where it's like, it's got to be about more than just out running guys. There's a lot of 17, 18 year old guys who can do that. But can you be the guy who can pick up and pass protection? Can you be a guy who catches the ball out of the backfield and, you know, has a a wide template of things that you can do? And uh, for some reason, when I was talking to him, it made it kind of clicked Trey Bryant in my head that similar mindsets. And that's, that's not a bad comparison, I don't think.
2: Going back to what you were kind of saying about Sean Becton, I think is especially important nowadays i mean when, when you're talking about guys taking virtual visits um you know situation like Gabe and not being able to to visit i mean that, that's where you really have to lean on guys like sean beckton and where guys like sean beckton are so important because it's all about relationships it's all about trust and you know I, I think having that very large foot in the door in a state like georgia can really help you at a place like nebraska when you're not able to get guys on campus right now
0: yeah, look, I, I agree with, with all of that. I mean, and, and Sean Hardy's coach uh, talked about this when I had him on my radio show. Bob Spire basically said that everybody in the state of Georgia knows Sean Becton. They've known him a long time. They're comfortable with Sean Becton. The fact that uh, he's the kind of guy that will just drop by your school even if he's not necessarily recruiting anybody from that school in an in immediate class, but simply because he just wants to check in and see how it's going because he feels compelled that it's his area and he needs to know, you know, what's happening in it. And uh, Buford isn't the same as, as Southern Georgia or even Atlanta. It's, it's a little bit north, uh, Northeast of Atlanta, if I have it correct on the old map. But um, it, it's a situation where I think that those relationships that he has built uh, really play a big role in making people feel comfortable uh, with, with Nebraska, making them feel comfortable with the situation of uh, of going to a different state, going to a different conference, because they, they just have so much trust that Sean Becton's going to do right by their player. I mean, it, it, maybe the kid isn't going to be a star, but he's at least going to go to a place that's going to try to help him become, uh, you know, the, the best person that he can be. And, and Gabe Urban said that as much uh, on Twitter when he announced his commitment. Like That was a a big part of it for them. Brunson, Nebraska now has picked up, I believe six commitments over the last 62 days. Uh, they have continued to add to their class. They've continued to to kind of grow in this period of time and they've added players without visits. I think that's become very common for them now. I think based on what I understand, Nebraska is largely prepared to, to kind of have to recruit this way through the duration of the cycle. And so uh, I think it's a good sign that you're starting to pick up and, It feels like I've been the one saying I thought June was going to be kind of slow. It feels like there's a few more out there that could happen relatively soon. Do you you feel like Nebraska's kind of turned the
2: corner and the momentum is starting to carry with them here in recruiting? Feels like it. I mean, I think, you know, for a lot of these kids that Nebraska's recruiting that live at distance, I think a lot of them were kind of waiting to see, you know, if things were going to open up in in June. And – you know, now that they're not obviously, um, and there's a lot of question. I think a lot of those guys that were maybe kind of wondering if they would be able to get to Lincoln first or, you know, take other visits are getting to the point where they're, uh, you know, deciding to get in the boat. And you know, Nebraska, I think too. You know, the more they fill up, um, you know, I, I think the more that they can. And and they, and they don't really do this, but I think you can kind of start to maybe force the issue a little bit with some kids to see where they stand. Um, you know, you have spots filling up. Uh, you know, you're going to uh, you know, have very uh, a smaller class than maybe what Nebraska's seen the past couple of years. And I, I think that that kind of works in Nebraska's advantage and maybe forcing some of those commitments as well.
0: All right, let's let's uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to get into Nebraska's running back picture for the 2020 class. Uh, so not quite Gabe Bourbon not the, Excuse me, not the 2020 class, but the 2020 season. So not quite Gabe Urban, but guys like Sevian Morrison and Marvin Scott, what we expect there. All of that and more with Husker 24-7 when we return. And we're back. That was fun, wasn't it? We had some great off-air conversations. BC gave us uh, some recipes, to some desserts that he's been working on, including like a terra.
2: Tara Mizzou. I, I don't remember. I don't know how to pronounce that. <laughs> Mizzou. Uh, yeah. Tara <laughs> Mizzou is in the SEC now, Schaefer. I believe oh, that,
1: okay. those are, that's a cousin of Mizzuno golf clubs. I think they were, they're related. Well, I, I, I didn't don't... know how to pronounce
0: it. I just know how to make it now that you sent that recipe along. Oh, well. so I, I really appreciate that, that uh, fancy Italian. You're welcome. So, um, you know, BC, be Three. sure to check out uh, the recipes thread on the, on the old message board, BC's been <laughs> dropping a few
2: in there. Was was one of the ju- was one of the ingredients a quarter cup of uh, Brad Smith?
1: <laughs> I don't I, that went over my head. Um, did, w- k- explain that to me. W- w- I miss that joke, Bruns. The, the old quarterback, right? Yeah, he's playing
0: off the Missouri thing and the fact that I can't yeah. say Tara Mizzou. He said Terra ah, Mizzou.
1: Mizzou. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm a little slow, you know that.
2: <laughs> I was I was afraid that I'd insulted your 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 uh, chefing.
1: <laughs> I thought I thought you were comparing my uh, my dessert to Brad Smith, and I thought you know that Brad Smith was a fine QB, but, but not to the <laughs> not to the level of how this tastes. I mean, Brad Smith did ding, uh, he kicked Nebraska's ass. Yeah, he did. He did a couple times, I believe. Twice, I think yeah. uh,
0: he had he had two pretty outright wins against Nebraska. Yeah. All right. Um, well, let's let's move off of that. I don't want you guys to fight over over cakes. So um, let's let's just jump right into it. Two freshman running backs that I think Nebraska is going to expect something from this year. I don't know if both are going to go over the four game limit for the redshirt. I anticipate if one does, it'd be Marvin Scott. Uh, but, BC, when you look at, at Sebion Morrison and Marvin Scott, how do you differentiate those two a little bit as running backs and how they might fit in Nebraska's offense?
1: Marvin Scott is is more physically ready probably. For the uh, Big Ten but I don't want to sell short Savion Morrison I mean that's a guy who just tore up the record books down in Oklahoma and broke Spencer Tillman's numbers and he did it pretty easily and uh, he's not exactly lacking in in size I don't think himself and in fact when you talk to Savion Morrison I remember you know you ask guys sometimes like who do you model yourself after who is your guy and his guy is adrian peterson and he is uh pretty determined uh when he talked about kind of replicating obviously it's nobody can just be adrian peterson but you you when i say that name you think of a certain style of just downhill punishing runner and that's what morrison wants to be and so i think he's gonna come in you know with he's gonna look at marvin scott he's just a I mean, looks like a 25-year-old man already. Um, and he's. I think he'll feed off that. So I have no idea how that's going to shake out. I think it's easy on the surface, and I do this, to maybe say, oh, I'll give Marvin Scott the edge because he's a power lifter and he's Big Ten ready and all this stuff. Um, but they're going to want an all-around back, and I think both of them can do it, who they don't feel like they have to just take off the field or they can only use for a couple plays – and uh, then you got a substitute. They need a guy who they feel like, yeah, he knows this and he knows that, and we don't have to uh, move him off the field just because he's a young guy. So um, I think it's going to all come down to who can pick it up the quickest. And uh, that is just impossible to say from a distance.
0: Brunts, when you kind of assess this running back situation, do you anticipate that Diedrich Mills is going to to kind of have the lion's share of the work? Or do you think that it could be a situation where he, he has the bulk of it, but he doesn't necessarily have the runaway amount? I don't know if I explained that well, but let's see if you, you follow that along better.
2: Yeah, no, my... I, I think yeah. he's going to have a huge year. Um, you know, I, I think with the way he finished the season, uh, I think he's in line for a pretty uh, – pretty good senior season, especially running behind a a veteran offensive line like he's going to be doing, an an improved offensive line. Um, You know, I I think, to me, the the running back room and how it shakes out is as much a Ramir Johnson question as anybody else. Because I think if Ramir Johnson can show that he is ready, I think that he can – cut into some of that total of, of Mills's carries. and I also think if Ramir Johnson shows that he's ready and, and can prove it on the field, I think that that also muddies the situation a bit with Marvin Marvin Scott and with uh, Sevian Morrison. So you know that that's a guy that I, I think when you know Nebraska gets to practicing in fall camp and you start talking about depth chart and all this other stuff, Even though Ramir Johnson's a bit of a different back than Marvin Scott, I just think a lot of kind of how everything shakes out at that spot is going to be predicated on how Ramir Johnson comes back uh, from the limited action that he saw last season and how ready to go he is.
0: BC, what would be a positive sign to you for Ronald Tompkins, the guy that we never really get to talk about because he hasn't quite been healthy over the last three years? What would be a positive sign coming into coming out of fall camp, coming into fall camp, during fall camp, when we get the chance to learn about what the running backs are doing?
1: I don't know how interviews are going to break down during this strange time, but if we do talk to players at all or guys on the offense, I think if you start to hear peers speak about, yeah, don't forget about Ronald Tompkins. He's got a burst, and they see that burst. That, that to me – if we get any signs of that, be it from a coach or a player, that's gonna be exciting. Cause then you know, okay, we gotta factor him into this too. That that's the whole thing I I wonder about it, and I really hope he comes back and he's the same guy. Because you remember when he was recruited, Ryan Held and coaches would say he was as electric to this Nebraska staff as any recruit running back recruit there was in that class. It was just the fact that he had the two big injuries. He's had them on each leg, and you never know—is a guy going to be what he once was after those severe injuries? It felt like he was sort of making progress last year, did. and you even heard held early in the season talk about it. You thought he might work his way out there where he played four games, and then it just there was another setback of some sort. And uh, that, that, that took that away. So that, that's where you worry because then that, you get another injury on top of the two you knew about maybe and you, you get a little concerned. But I know you've heard some promising things about his uh, rehab or whatever you want to call it, his development. The thing I like when I look at all these running backs is that you don't have to squint hard to see it with any of them. They all have really accomplished resumes um, in high school. Um, I mean, record-setting resumes in the case of Morrison and Scott. And then, you know, Bruns was talking about Ramir Johnson. I remember doing stories about him as a recruit, and he would get on a bus. You know, he'd get up at like 4 in the morning and get on a bus or whatever to get to his high school for early morning workouts, and he embraced it. He loved it because he liked being with his team. So he's that type of guy. So I I no me by no means think he's about to back down just because there's a couple uh, guys who are pretty confident in their ability showing up.
2: Well, then you've yeah. also, you've also oh, got John, John Bivens who's going to be entering the mix as well, who was more or less a scholarship type recruit that Nebraska is getting as a walk on. I mean, he's had his own issues uh, with injuries, similar to, you know, in severity to, to Ronald Tompkins, but I mean, he's another guy that, is going to get an opportunity to show that, that he's back from that and, and maybe can maybe work his way into the conversation a little bit too.
0: Brunts, I, I wanted to ask, and, and BC, you can jump in on this after Brunts answers it, but do you guys feel like Dedrick Mills can be a complete running back in the passing game as well? He only had 17 career receptions, and the bulk of his receptions last year came at the very end when they were without Maurice Washington. Do you feel like he has that elevation in that part of his game that he could help Nebraska out as a receiving threat so that he could be the complete back
2: in this offense? I, I think maybe. maybe. I mean, the, the 17 – 17 is not a real high number, but also I don't know that Nebraska really put him in a position to catch the ball much last year. They did not.
0: Well, they – I mean – it was a lot of Wandale and a lot of Maurice Washington, but if you look at the disparity between how often they were throwing to those guys versus, versus Mills, it jumps out. And so then it, it makes me wonder if he could be the complete guy in this offense or if someone like a Ramir Johnson or a Sevian Morrison or a Brody Belt or, you know, Marvin Scott, someone else has to emerge to kind of be the pass-catching back because I think you've seen that trend in college football where you've got to have backs that can catch the ball out of the backfield in order to weaken defenses a little bit and distress them a little bit.
2: Yeah, well, and I, I think, too, you know, I think it took a while last year for Nebraska to kind of figure out how to use uh, Mills. You know, I, I think, you know, that they kind of hit, kinda hit their, their stride a little bit late in the season with him. I think he kind of got some confidence, too, uh, that, that he belonged in the Big Ten and could excel there. And, you know, did, the, the game that stands out to me about him is that Wisconsin game you know he ran hard they were able to get him in space and he was finishing runs um and and kind of looking like that power back that I think a lot of people expected him to be um so you know I I think he has to be because you don't want a situation where you're putting a running back out there and everybody kind of knows you know what's going to be happening I mean you're kind of tipping your pitches as a play caller at that point so I think with more opportunities he can be, I think, I don't know that you're going to see a Wandale Robinson type uh, output from him next season, but I think he can do enough to be a threat there for sure.
1: I The thing I like about Mills is I think he has the maturity to deal with these young guys coming in and trying to take his job and handle it uh, as a good teammate and push them and also – uh, step up his game in the process. The thing I learned about him last year, mostly, was he's a guy who's not going to go away easily. Because a few weeks into that season, a lot of media and fans had sort of written him off a little bit. He wasn't getting the ball a lot, and he had a fumble I think early on. Well, I know he did because I saw the picture the other day of Schaefer standing around Diedrich in the hall, uh, holding the football after a couple a fumble or two. And, uh, you know, he, he was he was going to fix that problem, and he did. And a lot of guys would have just, I think, kind of caved in or went away or maybe pouted, and he just kept going, never said anything publicly, complaining about his lack of touches. And then by November, it, they almost doubled from what they were the previous two months, and we saw what he could really do. So I think that maturity and just how he handles that um, is, is – tells you that he's kind of the perfect senior guy to uh, deal with these young bucks who will be eager to kind of take what is his already.
0: All right, gentlemen, any final
2: thoughts
1: here? Uh, I, just, just, some,
2: just thinking about uh, waiting for some recipes. That's why I'm waiting on. Yep. All right. Well, I'll, I'll write those up. Uh, I'll get
0: BC, on BC, What was the, what was the best thing you made for your dad for father's day weekend?
1: <laughs> That's a, that you're, sure.
0: you're cooking now.
1: What a jerkstore comment. I didn't see my father on the father's day. So I'm glad you brought that up. I did. In fact, I didn't call him. Um, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> Oh, sorry. I didn't realize it
1: was
0: a happy old McCoy's. Of the, uh, no, we the have a great, clan.
1: We a great relationship. We're playing golf tomorrow, which is why we needed a podcast today. Cause I was, I was busy with quote unquote work tomorrow. Um, so yeah, we we'll, uh but no, I did not make my dad anything. So uh so glad you mentioned that. Do you, do
0: you feel like you're better when you're short game or you're better in the kitchen?
1: Um, k- k- kitchen, but that's not saying much. <laughs> Just
2: get, make him some soup, throw it in a thermos. That'll be great, great <laughs> on the turn. <laughs> and you'll uh, and have a great day. That's a recipe for a great day.
1: Just set the bowl of soup on the seat next to him <laughs> in his golf cart. You're going to have to take it slow, Dad.
0: <laughs> and that is the Husker 24-7 podcast. Be sure to check out the message boards, the check out the site. we got plenty of stuff going on there. And we have a great deal going on right now. Get your first month of Husker 24-7 for just a dollar. So be sure to check that out on the website as well. We'll be back later this week with another podcast on Husker 24-7.